minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
We're linked in a chain to change the world. When you feel the strength, you spread the word. We're linked in a chain to change the world. When we get together, our voices Oh, oh, oh. 
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning and welcome to everybody out there. And a special good morning to my fellow bleary-eyed baseball fans. I turned to my kids last night. (laughs) I think it was uh, sometime in the ninth inning. And I said, I have been watching baseball for a long, long, long time and enjoying it. And I saw things in the eighth and ninth inning last night that I had never seen before. Just a remarkable game. Anyway, a special good morning to all the bleary-eyed baseball fans in our audience. A special good morning, of course, to our listeners in Chicago. Already on the app, someone referenced uh, one of our listeners in Chicago, (coughs) whom no doubt is celebrating today. Uh, But especially uh, to all of our listeners in Chicago. And one thing we learned when we were in Chicago uh, with our network on a Sunday in September is that we've got a lot of great listeners out there. So to all of them, we say uh, Mazal Tov. It is really hard to believe. If you're a baseball fan for a long time, it's frankly hard to believe. Uh, and in Cleveland, we also have a lot of great listeners, and there's a wonderful community in Cleveland. And uh, our baseball hearts go out to you. What can I tell you? They certainly do. I can always comment on our app, and I see that uh, people are con- constantly taking advantage of that feature. <clears throat> I want to give a special shout-out. To uh, one of our listeners down in Florida, and that would be uh, Reblevi Tzvi Benchana, who is actually listening to the show uh, day two after knee surgery in the hospital. So thank you very much. I hope you're doing well. <coughs> wow. I hope you're doing well. And I thank you for tuning in, and I hope you're telling everybody down there in the Sunshine State to listen in every single weekday morning. Uh, you heard Hakola Tova, that was David Gabe. Hakel done by Eighth Day. Diaspora's David Melech Yisrael off the reunion album. Natati Lachaya, it's uh, Kaveret Pugi from the Kaveret Papark triple CD that we love pulling out of the shelves. Uh, Kola Mispalel from the uh, Yeshiva Boys Choir. And Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Well, it could be a very interesting morning today at JM in the AM. New York City Councilman David Greenfield, Jeff Balaban, they are both scheduled to uh, be with us in the 8 o'clock hour, live via telephone. We have, in preparation for today's discussion about the 2016 election, we have encouraged the participants, both of whom, by the way, are quite friendly with each other. They think very highly of each other for good reason. They're both amazing people. Uh, we've encouraged them to uh, to keep the tone of the discussion at an appropriate place. It is a very, very passionate presidential election. I'm sure anybody out there who's following it would agree with that. 
Uh, so we're going to try to keep the uh, the conversation as um, as calm as possible. Here are the points: why a leader in our community is voting Democratic, why a leader in our community is voting Republican, and um, and then I hope what. I am praying is the end result of today's conversation becomes the end result, and that is that we've influenced some people to go out there and vote. Because it's very possible, and I've spoken to a lot of people in our community, it's very possible that people in this audience, and many people in this audience, are not satisfied or not happy with either candidate. Uh, But we cannot stress, and I'm sure our guests will agree, the importance of our community getting out there and getting involved. So hopefully at the end of today's discussion, that will be the uh, prevailing attitude, that everyone's got to go out there and vote, and to participate, and if you'd like to consider one of the candidates, one of the major candidates for the uh, presidency of the United States, uh, each side will give you reasons why members of our community should vote for theirs. All right, so that's happening a couple hours from now in the 8 o'clock hour, and we are looking forward to it. Uh, weekly update tomorrow, full day on our schedule today, Thursday. By the way, you know, I've said and yesterday I had an opportunity to go through some of the uh, statistics and um, it, it is remarkably wonderful and heartwarming the way our online presence continues to grow after all these years. And we are reaching so many people in so many different areas of the world. And I always say to this audience, the um, JMNAM audience, try us on a Thursday. I mean, you can try us any day, and I think you'll enjoy it. But try us on a Thursday when people like Charlie Harari, Michael Fragan, Allison Josephs, Miriam L. Wallach all follow me. And uh, let me know what you think of our incredible programming. It, uh, it really is an, a, a stellar lineup. Uh, we have a phenomenal time every Thursday during the live lunch, and it's almost always live. And whether there's lunch or not, we always seem to have a variety of topics that are, that are uh, fascinating to our listeners. And, um, th- and then Throwback Thursday adds another nice element to it. So, so try it. Try it. Use the app. Use your computer. Use our listen line. Use our uh, uh, the web radios. Whatever you know, if you can't find us on the web radio, I learned yesterday that anybody who's having trouble finding us on the web radio, try searching JM and the AM. Very often that'll come up first on your web radio. And um, whatever method it is that you use, try us out. I think you'll I think you'll like us. I really do. Uh, also, our big transition is coming up. We're less than a month away from the big transition, which means that uh, we're going all digital. Uh, the future is now for the Nahum Siegel Network. We are going all digital. Jam and AM will proudly become the flagship program and an exclusive presentation of the Nahum Siegel Network, a, a dream of mine for God knows how long. And uh, all I ask, as I've been doing uh, with anybody who's spoken to me about it and our staff's doing the same thing, is that you come along. Try us out. See how easy it is to listen. Last night, someone approached me on Lewis Street in New York City, uh, frustrated again, as so many people think incorrectly, that they won't be able to listen. And then, and there's certain segments that they really enjoy. I said, if there's certain segments you enjoy and you don't have a smartphone, why not just use your phone in your car to call in to hear those segments? And they said, what? You could do that? And I said, yeah. First, I proposed the archives, that you can listen to the archives all day long. But they didn't like that suggestion, so I said, why don't you just... And they said, oh, that's a great idea. I have a speaker on my phone. I'll just call in and, and, and listen in. So, anyway, um, as we get closer and closer, I hope more and more people help us spread the word and encourage everybody out there, all through the New York and New Jersey area. 
who are listening on Terrestrial Radio to join us and to uh, make the switch come the beginning of December. Also yesterday we had an amazing time with Leon Goldenberg in regard to the Venice uh, Jewish Unity Initiative. Itzik Dadya, who's in the next uh, music set, uh, is going to be uh, headlining an event uh, Saturday night in Venice, in the Venetian ghetto. Uh, our gift, as we like to say, the Jewish Unity Initiative, our gift to the um, the Jewish community of Venice and its surrounding areas. And we'll have an opportunity to speak a lot about the community and the history of the area and how important it is in Jewish history uh, all through our visit there. So we have that uh, component, which has gotten off to an amazing start. We have great support for it. Kudos to everybody who has um, uh, come forward to be part of it. A special, special thank you to our friends at Bartanura and the um, Herzog family in Royal Wine and Kedem, who have, uh, you know, Bartanura is an Italian wine, as many of you know. And they have been enthusiastically behind this project, to say the least, and are so proud that their logo appears on the Italian flyer declaring the um, uh, the lineup for that Saturday night, Malava Malka. Uh, so a big thank you to them, uh, to our friends at Bartanura, from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, all right, more coming up, 20 minutes before 7 o'clock. I thank you for tuning in. This is JM in the AM.
JM in the AM. Mordechai Shapiro, Ivdu, wraps up the hour. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live in the Sony and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Before Mordechai Shapiro, you heard Leva Nefesh with Inveya Geffen. Oses Shalom from the Waterbury album, Stay With Me. Nigun Shalshelis was in there. And Itzik Dadya, who we told you was going to be performing in Venice during that amazing Malava Malka, Shabbos Parshas Vayera. Um, there he was with Tain Chiyuch. It's Thursday. We have an amazing, amazing lineup on our stream all day long. NahumSiegel.com, uh, NSN app, NahumSiegel Network. Make sure to be tuned in. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast, 1 p.m. newscast next to JMN. Galaitzal, Hashaachat, Kanehut Graf, in Mashekoreachshav. Sarah Hinuch Naftali Benet, Tokefet Nesiat Beta Mishpata Elion, Bequota Mishtav Sheshigraha Boker La Sarah Yelet Shaked. בנט קרא לנשיאה נאור לא להתערב בהחלטות הדרג הפוליטי. לצערי בעשרות השנים האחרונות יש התערבות הולכת וגוברת של מערכת המשפט, של אקטיביזם לתוך התחום של הממשלה. לדוגמה, סדרה של ביטולים של החוק נגד מסתננים, מה שגרם למצב שבו דרום תל אביב מוצפת, הגיע הזמן שהמחוקקים יחוקקו, הממשלה תמשול והשופטים ישפטו. יושב ראש האופוזיציה יצחק הרצוג אמר בגל"צ כי החששות של הנשיאה נאור מהמהלכים הפוליטיים של הקואליציה צריכים להדאיג את כולם. אם מרים נאור מרגישה מאוימת, אז אנחנו צריכים לדאוג. מכיוון שיש פה תהליך עדין ומורכב של אחד המוסדות הכי חשובים, אם לא החשוב ביותר. מה זה השוט הזה? זאת חוצפה שלא תיאמן במערכת דמוקרטית. יש איזונים, יש ריסונים, מותר לחטוף ביקורת. הותר לפרסום כי השב"כ עצר שלושה חשודים בידוי בקבוקי תבערה ואבנים לפני כשנה שפצעו ילדה בת שלוש. כתבנו טל לברם. הפיגוע התרחש בחודש שעבר, פעוטה בת שלוש נפצעה בינוני מיידוי בקבוק תבערה שפגע ברכב המשפחה באזור עוקף רמאללה. שלושה מחבלים חשודים נעצרו והחקירה התברר כי הם היו מעורבים בפיגועים נוספים ואף תכננו לבצע פיגועי ירי. פרשת לה פמיליה. הפרקליטות מבקשת להוסיף סעיפי הסתה לגזענות ולאלימות לשני כתבי האישום שהוגשו נגד חלק מהנאשמים, אוהדי ביתר ירושלים. כתבנו איתמר קציר. על פי האישומים שהפרקליטות מבקשת להוסיף, חלק מחברי לה פמיליה הפיצו בקרב חברי הארגון הודעות המסיתות לפגיעה בערבים. הנאשם נאור שמואל כתב, רואה ערבי, רואה שחור, ישר חושב על איך לדקור, לטדי אנחנו מחכים, תבואו נשרוף אתכם חיים. נאשם אחר, רום גבריאל, קרא בקבוצה פנימית של הפמיליה לעשות טרור יהודי. הברקזיט מתעכב. בית המשפט העליון בבריטניה קבע כי ההחלטה לעזוב את האיחוד האירופי זקוקה גם לאישור הפרלמנט. כתבתנו קרן בן מרדכי. על פי הפסיקה, ממשלת בריטניה לא יכולה להפעיל את סעיף 50 שמשמעותו יציאה מהאיחוד האירופי ללא אישור הפרלמנט. הממשלה הביעה את אכזבתה מהמהלך ומסרה שהיא תערער על ההחלטה על מנת לכבד את תוצאות משאל העם. על פי הערכות, אם ההחלטה לא תשתנה, החלת הסעיף תידחה בחודשים רבים בשל מכשולים פרלמנטריים, אך לבסוף הסעיף יעבור בפרלמנט. ולסיום, בימים אלה מתפרסם בארצות הברית מילון חדש אנגלי-יידיש. גיטל שכטר, כותבת המילון, סיפרה לגלית אלטשטיין כיצד הגו מילים חדשות ביידיש 
כמו למשל תרגום למילה האנגלית בינג' שמשמעותה צפייה מרוכזת בסדרת טלוויזיה. ישנו ביטוי ביידיש, שלינגנביכל, שמשמעותו לבלוע ספרים. אז השתמשנו בזה כבסיס למונח החדש, שלינגנפיזודן. כך שכטר, השיחה המלאה תשודר מיד בשעה העולמית בגל"צ. תחזית מזג האוויר, נאה עם עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות. מחר, התקררות נוספת. אלה החדשות שעורך מרון ששון.
Thursday morning. It's JM in the AM. Thanks for tuning in. You can comment on our app whenever you wish. Go to the uh, NSN app and comment away. Uh, let us know where you're listening, what you have to say. Don't forget our big uh, discussion, our forum, our, our uh, well, some people would call it debate uh, regarding the presidential election with New York City Councilman David Greenfield and with Jeff Balaban. Happens at 8 o'clock this morning, just 50 minutes from now, here at JM in the AM. Looking forward to it. Hey, Josh Haston is with us live via telephone. Many of you remember that when we were in Israel last, uh, Josh was among our uh, many guests. He's international director of Rigavim, and they've had some, I think, what he would call uh, positive news and developments over the last few days. We'll see if he agrees. Josh Haston, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Great to hear from you. I appreciate that. Nice to have you on the air. Uh, all right, uh, let's start with uh, reminding everybody what the mission is of Rigavim, and then we'll get into whether this week's development is good or not so good. You'll let us know. Tell us first about Rigavim. Sure. So for those who missed the broadcast just a few months ago, Rigavim is a legal watchdog organization, and our mission is to safeguard state lands or national lands here in Israel. That's, uh, that's what our mission is, and we monitor illegal building illegal activities in various sectors of uh, society throughout the country, in the north of the country, in the south, in Judea and Samaria. Uh, we monitor and report uh, illegal activities, illegal building. And, and, things too. and as, we, as you described and as we discussed when we were in Israel, uh, you try to use every legal means necessary to make sure that that land stays in the appropriate hands or uh, you know, if found to be um, you know, owned by uh, people who may not be known as the owners now that they be returned to the rightful owners, right? Yeah, absolutely. We are uh, all about upholding the law, uh, fighting for the rights of those whose, uh, whose potential uh, rights have been infringed by, uh, by squatters, by people building illegally. A lot of these buildings, as you know, are illegally funded by outsiders, including and especially the European Union, right. who somehow think that they can uh, meddle. And I was just thinking about this before. Imagine if, if somebody from, I don't know, pick any country, uh, uh, Venezuela, decided they're going to come into uh, midtown Manhattan and just build a house and put a Venezuelan flag on it. <laughs> How long do you think that building would, would remain there in, in, in Times Square? How long would that would that stand up there? Not How long too, would the people of New York tolerate something not, like not, that? Yeah, not only wouldn't it stand, it would never. The, the the first moments of it being built would be the last moments of it being built. Right. Well, here in this case, here in Israel, uh, the European Union somehow thinks that they can uh, that they're above Israeli law and they can come and plop down buildings wherever they see fit for a uh, political cause. Really, mm. um, and they're and they're uh, in this case rather the attempt to create a de facto Palestinian state in Judea and Samaria by illegally setting up structures, over a thousand illegal EU structures throughout Judea and Samaria, and uh, they think somehow they're exempt and they can do whatever they want in a, in a different country, in a foreign country, and here in Israel. And uh, as you mentioned to start the show, some good news of late, a new Israeli bill, this is in the Jerusalem Post report today, seeks to hold the EU, uh, the European Union, liable for illegal 
Palestinian building. That's the headline. So in other words, we are seeing now, for I believe the first time, legislation. Uh, this is by the Israel Beitenu Party, uh, MK Oded, for calling on uh, legal action against those who think that they are immune and can do whatever they want and build illegally in Judea and Samaria and in other parts of the country just because they feel like uh, they have the right to do so. Is this finally this is a good development? Is this finally a recognition by the government that there's a connection between illegal building and the EU, or we're not at that stage yet? Well, I mean, the government knows that it's happening. They've known it's it's been happening for a long time. I think this is the first step in a long process of actually acknowledging right. that uh, this can no longer be tolerated. I mean, it's been going on for several years. We've seen some improvements on a local level, meaning the civil administration, for example, has actually started uh, upholding the law and demolishing some of the illegal structures this past year, 2016. Up until now, we've seen some activity on the ground, um, but, uh, but this brings it to a whole new level a bill actually being introduced into the Knesset right. calling out the European Union for trying to create facts on the ground illegally here in the state of Israel. But I guess my bigger question is, does this bill have life in the Knesset? Meaning, when I ask if the government recognizes this fact, yet obviously those sponsors, uh, the sponsors of the bill obviously recognize it, but is there a greater effort among government officials to acknowledge that this connection is there and possibly really lead to the passage of a bill like this? Well, I, I would I would believe so. The fact that it actually uh, was was introduced uh, yesterday, and again, this is a long uh, process here, right. as are all bills in the Knesset. And we'll have to see how it plays out. I mean, it's going to be uh, you know weeks or months or whatnot of discussion back and forth between the various MKs. But I would say, based on the makeup of the coalition, based on uh, how the people voted to elect the current government, that this is something that the government and the broader Knesset does support, and uh, the people of Israel, uh, as represented by their uh, members in the Knesset, do support right. um, asking the European Union to exit Israel. You know, Stay out of it. Josh Hastings with us, International Director of Riga Vim. If you want to comment, NSN app gives you the opportunity to do so. You know, in the article, it speaks about activists, and I, I would guess you know some of them, who've said, who've noted that the temporary structures have bright blue EU logos pasted on their walls and are located very close to the road, meaning that not only are they putting their emblem on it, but they don't care if masses uh, you know, along the public roads actually see it. Have you seen this with your own eyes? Oh, absolutely, and I invite your listeners. I'd be happy to give them tours of, uh, these, uh, of the areas where the illegal structures are on the ground especially, let's say, between here in Jerusalem and the Dead Sea, uh, they are proud uh, placing their EU logo on the front of these buildings for all to see. It's in clear view right at the entrance to all these buildings. Your listeners can come. I've taken people out there uh, numerous times over the last several months to see it for themselves. This is not something the European Union is hiding. Uh, they are claiming, their claim is this is a humanitarian issue, but the Israeli government, for example, has said to these illegal squatters living in these buildings, uh, we have a solution for you. Some of them actually have homes. Let's, let's make sure people understand that. Right. Uh, Susia is a, is a subject that comes up, the town of Susia, where illegal squatters from the nearby community of Yatta, the city of Yatta, Arab squatters have come and set up shop there. They could simply go back to their homes, but here in, in these cases, uh, the, uh, the EU claims that these people don't have homes, they have nowhere to go. Israel has even gone as far as to say, we'll set up 
communities for you. We'll put up, I see myself down in the south in the Negev, I've seen places where the government of Israel has set aside plots of land. This is, these are Bedouin, this is a little bit different situation, but it said, come be legal, outstanding members of the state of Israel, we will give you land. And by the way, the Bedouin, they're, they're the only minority group that does not pay for the land. Israel gives them land. But, you know, in this case of the European Union, they, they don't want them to become legalized. They don't want them to live legally. They want to put them there as political pawns with the support of the Palestinian Authority with the goal of one day if Israel were to negotiate uh, peace, if you want to call it that, uh, with the Palestinian Authority, they would turn around and say, look, we already have facts on the ground. Let's make this part of the Palestinian right. state. We already have people there on the ground. We have these villages. Look at all the European Union structures. That's really the goal, is to take over the land, large swaths of land in various parts of the country, and then one day say, well, you know, we're already there. It's ours anyway, so you might as well give it to us. All right, Josh Haston, how do people um, uh, continue to support the work of Rigavim? How do they... Uh uh, help fund what you're doing on a daily basis in the courts and uh, in the public eye uh, when it comes to issues like this? I would say, number one, go to our Facebook page, updated regularly, Regavim. Uh, also, our website, regavim.org. You can get in touch with me, josh at regavim.org. I'm happy to share as much information I have with you about the current issues and when you're here in the country. I ask you to please get in touch with me, and I'd love to take you out. See for yourself so you can share this information back with your friends in the U.S. Let them know what's going on here. We are here to uphold the law. That's what we're all about. We're going to continue to do so now. Josh, great speaking to you. Continue your amazing work. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. A pleasure. Thanks so much. Thursday morning broadcast. Plenty more coming up. You are listening to JM in the AM. Oh, 
JM in the AM with Lipa. Got to thank Lipa, by the way. Uh, many of you, I'm sure, on Facebook have seen that Lipa uh, gives a, on video, gives a Yiddish tutorial on how to install the Nahum Siegel Network app so that you could listen to us uh, all through the day, every day, and comment whenever you wish. And I thank him for that. He uh, He stepped up. And told the entire world that uh, it's vital to do so and that everybody out there should uh, should actually do it. So if you haven't done it yet, if you have an iPhone or an Android, uh, I'm even told that um, with uh, certain tablets, especially the ones that have an operating system of Google Chrome, um, apparently you could actually use the Android app on those as well. So take advantage, please, and make sure you're ready for our big transition and install the app. As as soon as you can, just like Lipa did. Uh, before that, before the uh, Acheron Acheron selection, you heard uh, Achenu off of the uh, Deer Shoe album here at JM in the AM. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The Chovetz Chaim spent his entire life on being mechazek, strengthening the Yisodos of Yiddishkeit, the main foundations of Judaism. The Chavetz Chaim insisted that every kehila should build a mikveh. When it became known to him that a mikveh was neglected, he did not rest until he knew that the matter was taken care of properly. He was always afraid that if he would be silent, they will demand of him in the Olam HaEmes, in the world of truth, concerning this matter. He held that Hashkacha had given him additional years to his life, in order that he should repair the breach. In the summer of Tofreshayim Beis, the Chavetz Chaim was asked by the Rav of Lida to be Mashpia, to influence the people, to do whatever they could and build a new mikveh. He tried, but his efforts did not bear fruit. When the Chavetz Chaim was getting ready to travel to Eretz Yisrael, he went to say goodbye to all the people of the various cities. One Arab Shabbos, when the Chavetz Chaim arrived in Lida, he asked that all of the leadership of the community gather together, and he pleaded with them, You know how many kochos, the great effort that I've extended, so that there should be a new mikveh in Lida, but it hasn't happened. I don't have any complaints. It's quite possible that no one is responsible. However, I'm an old man, and soon will be standing in Din in the Olamo Emes. They will ask me, Yisrael Mayor, you were a neighbor of Lida. Why were you quiet when you knew that there wasn't a proper mikveh there? I'm therefore asking you, please do this chesed for me. Please write a shtar, a document, that I was not guilty in this oversight, and please sign it. I tried to inspire the people. I requested of you, I begged you, I even demanded... I did everything in my power to accomplish the building of the mikveh, but my words were not listened to, and I was not successful. The leaders who had gathered together began to tremble when they heard these words of the sainted Chavetz Chaim. Reb Nechemia Levinson was the first to say, What is the Rebbe saying? We don't listen? Chalila! Woe to us! Never give up on us, Rebbe! I will be the first one to donate 500 rubles for the purpose. Everyone else in the room followed suit. They all pledged large sums of money. In no time, the mikveh was built. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day.
JM in the AM. Thursday morning broadcast, 60 degrees, showers today, and a high of 73. Confane um, Sharm done by uh, Simcha Liner, who uh, was with us earlier this week. Excuse me. Who was with us earlier this week here at JM in the AM, the Atid Society at the Kushner Schools presents Simcha Liner. With music by the Yochi Brisman Orchestra, the night of Sunday, November the 20th, that is happening in uh, New Jersey at the Kushner uh, Hebrew Academy on uh, 110 South Orange Avenue in Livingston. Phone number there is 862-437-8001, 862-437-8001 for information on that. I got a note about the uh, Congregation Tamatora of Flatbush. They have their full lecture series beginning next week. Uh, Rabbi Dr. Jacob J. Schachter on November the 12th, Saturday night, November the 12th, speaks on thoughts on the anniversary of Kristallnacht and remembering the Shoah in 2016. Um, that'll happen next week at Tomatora Flatbush in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, hell has their gala dinner. Uh, that's coming up on November the 20th, Sunday night at the New York Marriott Marquis. Make sure you make your reservations there at area code uh, 718-972-9338, 718-972-9338, and of course at olfamily.org. Uh, Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, the Rabbi Israel Rosenberg Educational Institute of Congregation Eitz Chaim of Kew Gardens Hills presents Shira Chodesh for Women by Women, Professor Smardar Rosenzweig, on the fall and rise of Shevet Levi. Happening Wednesday, November the 9th, starting at 7.45 p.m. at Congregation Eitz Chaim. And um, that's at 147-1973rd Avenue in Queens. Information you can contact Congregation 8 Chaim. And I want to give a, a special shout-out uh, to uh, Dr. Jonathan Lewin, whose name I completely mispronounced yesterday, and I apologize for that. Uh, Dr. Lewin is at the uh, Center for Musculoskeletal Disorders in uh, Englewood, New Jersey. They've got branches in a million different places. And uh, he is a big fan of the uh, NSN app workout mixes, which is something that I shared with Mark Zomik, who's responsible for the NSN app workout mixes. So I just wanted to um, give an extra special shout-out to Dr. Jonathan Lewin from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, speaking of Mark Zomik, he should be joining us in just a minute or so, a community event happening this weekend of... Um, of great interest, and we'll explain why. And, um, and of course, at 8 o'clock this morning, just minutes away from our great political forum regarding this coming Tuesday's presidential election. City Councilman David Greenfield, Jeff Balaban, both with us, coming up here at JM in the AM.
Jam in the AM as Nigun Neshama is playing from Shlomo Katz. It reminds me that we are just two weeks away from the 24 hours of Kalbach. 6 p.m. Eastern Time till 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday night, November the 16th through Thursday, November the 17th. 24 hours of Kalbach preempting everything on the Nahum Siegel Network. And that'll be in honor, of course, of Rav Shlomo Kalbach's yard site, his 22nd yard site coming up. You heard Benny Friedman before that. Barry Weber had Aguda Achas brand new. Barry Weber was with us yesterday. If you missed the brand new music alert, Rosh Chodesh Wednesday, there's an archive section at both jmnam.org and nachumsegel.com. Check out the archive. A lot of people are starting to get into the habit of checking out the archive every day. It is one of the options of how you'll be able to listen to us every single day once we make the transition to all digital. Uh, so keep that in mind. If the archives available every single day. Both City Councilman David Greenfield and Jeff Balaban are going to be joining us in the 8 o'clock hour as we do our presidential election forum. We're looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. And um, that'll be coming up in hour number three. Tomorrow, Malcolm Honeline with the weekly update at 740 uh, Mark Zamek was scheduled to join me uh, uh, this hour. Uh, he was probably pulled away by something, and um, uh, that was because uh, he's co-president of TABC, and TABC has their big open house this coming Sunday, so we wish them the best of luck. A, one of the educational institutions in our community that are very dear to our heart, so Torah Academy of Bergen County, they got their open house this coming Sunday. We highly recommend them, as uh, many of you have heard us say before, and... Um, uh, again, Mark was scheduled to join us, and uh, either will at a future time, or uh, or maybe later today, we'll see. Uh, also, um, uh, we have an amazing uh, schedule for you all day long on the stream at jmnam.org and uh, on the uh, on the NSN app. Um, those of you out there who are um, who don't always tune in every single day, all through the day, try it on a Thursday. Incredible shows with Charlie Harari coming up next at 9 a.m. with um, uh, Michael Fragan on the topic of election 2016 coming up at 9.30. Jew in the City Speaks, Allison Joseph with the creators of Jewish Comic-Con coming up at 10 o'clock. And at 10.30, Miriam Al-Wallach will have Dr. Ari Kornblit on discussing his handwriting analysis of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. How do you like that? And there's also a rumor he might actually analyze Miriam Wallach's handwriting which I guarantee you will be interesting. That's at 10.30 this morning. Then we'll do the live lunch beginning at 11 o'clock, so make sure to be tuned in. All right, coming up next, our election forum. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live in the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web at jmnam.org and, of course, on the NSN app.
Sam. If you look at the home screen of the NSN Nahum Siegel Network app, there are images, two images on the screen. Uh, the uh, images of the two participants in our 2016 election forum, which is set to begin. Uh, you know, originally we had a... Uh, we had a notion, and we were working toward actually doing these election forums in uh, in different synagogues around the area. And uh, uh, once the topic of the uh, of the campaign went a certain way, we and uh, because of the um, the heated of uh, 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 the heated points of view that were going on uh, within the community, we decided to uh, to rein things in, so to speak, and utilize our very own radio broadcast for an election forum, an election forum that I hope. Uh, accomplishes one thing, and that is um, encourages more and more people to vote. And we're going to go uh, to opening statements in a moment uh, from our two participants. Obviously, we'll have closing statements from our two participants later on this hour. And I would hope, and I've asked them, uh, to include at least a few seconds uh, of an indication to our community and to this audience how important it is to actually go and vote. Because one of the things we know about, clearly, uh, is uh, how many people in our community, and I'm sure other Americans as well, um, have this desire to literally stay away from the polls this coming Tuesday. So we're trying to encourage people to vote, explain why it's important to do so in our community, and to be as educated as possible. There are two major candidates out there um, who, to many people, mean different things uh, on so many varieties of issues, and there are a lot of issues that are dear and important to our community. So we have a chance to explore them with our guests this morning. Uh, I'll introduce the guests, then we'll go to opening statements. Uh, the Democratic side has won the uh, flip of the coin in terms of uh, um, stating their opening statement first here on these airwaves, and uh, then we'll do the opening question, which will go to the Republican side. And each what we're, what we're expecting is one to two minute answers from our participants uh, in a in a very uh, civil and friendly tone. We're talking about two people who are really friendly with each other, uh, and that's the way we want to keep it, of course. And uh, in addition to that, uh, in addition to it being uh, civil and within reason, time wise, um, we. Uh, um, we will we will um, begin our questioning with the uh, Republican side and then uh, and then move forward. Oh yeah, no, what I wanted to say was uh, ideally, um, uh, as I guess any of these discussions uh, and any moder- moderator who's doing these forums would would want, uh, we would love to have just one statement regarding each question from each candidate. I don't know if that's realistic. Uh, we'll see how things uh, play out and pan out, but let us. Begin First, New York City Councilman David Greenfield is with us. He spent his life in community service fighting for his Brooklyn constituents in New York's Jewish community most recently. And I'd be remiss not to mention this because it's been such an important thing for our community. Um, he passed and, uh, and um, uh, oversaw the first law in the country requiring a city to pay for security guards to protect yeshiva children. The law went into effect this past September. Uh, just a few weeks ago, providing security guards for tens of thousands of yeshiva students. He's an advocate on behalf of the state of people in Israel, and uh, many of you may have seen his uh, most recent uh, viral video, uh, which certainly proved that. And I and and um, Councilman Greenfield actually, actually, it's Thursday. It's a big day for him because he actually has the has the um, I don't want to say nerve. But he has the gall, <laughs> yeah, we won't say never said to actually do his own radio show. Could you imagine? Seven o'clock Eastern time of every Thursday night at AM six twenty. And he does that each and every week. City Council New York City Councilman Greenfield, welcome back to JM in the AM. 
Such it's great to be back here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I have to say I love the Nachum Siegel Network app. It's really phenomenal. And, you know, when people talk about the great transition, some people think we're talking about the Obama administration to whatever administration happens to be getting elected, but it's not true. We're actually talking about moving everyone from radio to the phenomenal Nachum Siegel Network app, and I'm very excited about that. And as the goal of my radio show, as you know, I had my start <laughs> in broadcast radio on your radio show. That is... Everything I know on radio, I've learned from Nachum Siegel. So if people are upset about anything I say, please blame Nachum Siegel. He taught me literally how to speak on the radio. A very potent strategy on the part of City Councilman Greenfield. Jeff Balaban is with us. Jeff is CEO of B2 Strategic, a national government relations and communications firm. He chairs the Iron Dome Alliance, a pro-Israel super PAC, was instrumental in any uh, assistance that the U.S. has given Israel when it comes to Iron Dome, and is a former United States Senate Commerce Committee counsel, former senior vice president of CBS News, and he has been named one of the 50 most influential Jews in America. And as I like to joke with him, neither he nor I would ever care to admit just how long we know each other. Jeff Balaban, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you very much, Nachum. It is always a pleasure to be with you. Greatly appreciate I'm that. very excited about uh, this morning's debate. Yes, it's going to be interesting. All right, we'll start with the opening statement. City Councilman Greenfield, whether it's obvious or not to our listeners, let me point out that you are openly supporting Hillary Clinton, uh, the Democratic nominee for um, uh, for president. Uh, Jeff Balaban is uh, supporting the Republican side and is uh, being outspoken at this point for Donald Trump as he is the uh, candidate on the Republican side. City Councilman Greenfield, your opportunity for an opening statement this morning. Go right ahead. Thank you so much. First of all, I want to thank you, Nachum Siegel. I want to thank uh, your listeners, because uh, I know how diligently they take their news and how much time and effort they spend in involvement in community affairs. You know, like many people out there, I've been working for the community for my entire adult life. For the last 15 years, I've worked to secure millions of dollars for yeshivas and parents. And as you mentioned, I passed a historic law in New York that provides security for yeshivas. And I've worked on local issues. I've renovated my parks and fixed my streets and made it easier to drive and park in New York City. And I'm saying all this because I have a pretty good sense of the gut of the Jewish community, especially the Orthodox community. I think it's important to say it at the outset, which is something that just about every Orthodox Jew knows, and that is that most Orthodox Jews vote Republican in presidential elections. In my neighborhood, for example, in 2004, Republicans got 70% of the vote for president. In 2008, they got 75%. And in 2012, in parts of my district, Republicans got 90% of the vote for president. And so the obvious question for those out there who are listening is, why is someone who understands the community so well going on the radio and staking his reputation to explain his support for Hillary Clinton? And the reason, honestly, is that I genuinely believe that Hillary Clinton is the better choice for president. I think that she'll make a very good president. But more importantly, I believe that Donald Trump would not be a good president for either America or the Jewish people. And I want to be clear, if you love Trump and you hate Clinton, I'm not really speaking to you today because I'm not going to change your mind. And vice versa, if you love Clinton and hate Trump, I don't have to convince you either. I'm really speaking to the small group of people who have concerns about Trump, but also have concerns about Clinton. 
And I'm going to explain why to that group I think Clinton is the far better choice for president. All right, and we will get to uh, some of those reasons when we start asking our questions. And now Jeff Balaban, who I mentioned everybody, is uh, supporting the Republican side and Donald Trump and his candidacy this coming Tuesday. Mr. Balaban, your opening statement, please. Thank you. Um, First of all, I have uh, tremendous respect for David, and he and I have been friends for many years. And I know there's a lot of mutual respect. And I also know that he's in a tough position, as he points out. Um, the community, especially the you know, your, listener, your listenership in our community, by and large, when it comes to presidential elections, for many years now, has realized that the Republicans' positions are much more favorable to our interests. And that means both our domestic interests and our foreign interests. Uh, David does use his role to try to protect us within a more and more openly hostile political party. Democrats have turned against the Jews in very, very strong and, and powerful ways now. And it's not just in terms of their treatment of Israel, which is appalling, but it's also in terms of uh, danger to our own religious liberties, which we'll be discussing uh, during the course of this morning. Uh, These issues are life and death for us, uh, both physically and spiritually. And the choice has never been clearer than it is this year in the 2016 election between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and between the Republicans and the Democrats. All right, Jeff Balaban with his opening statement, and Jeff does get the uh, first question. Uh, again, the format, pretty simple, uh, within reason, uh, a minute or two to uh, answer each question. And, of course, uh, the other person in our forum will have that same opportunity, and then we'll switch in terms of who gets the uh, next question asked to them. Uh, the first one is, um, Mr. Balaban, many members of the concerned about Israel community are wary of the Obama administration-led Iran deal. How do you think the respective candidates and parties will deal with it at this point? Well, as terrible as the idea of the Iran deal seemed at the time, and it did seem terrible, it's turned out to be far, far worse. Uh, Almost every week brings new revelations uh, about how this administration, uh, and when I say this administration, it's not just Barack Obama, but it is Hillary Clinton herself, how they lied to the American public, how they lied to Congress, and put through what they call a deal that has no goal other than mainstreaming the mullahs of Iran and giving them nuclear weapons and hundreds of billions of dollars. Donald Trump has made very clear that he would use every tool at his disposal to mitigate the terrible damage done by Hillary Clinton and her colleagues. And Hillary Clinton isn't only for the terrible Iran deal, she's actually proud of it. And she should, because she, she takes credit for being an integral part of making it happen. Uh, the news leaked out thanks to WikiLeaks and, and other information. And it's been reported that Hillary Clinton was the one who decided, and this was the breakthrough, uh, that rather than continuing to sanction Iran and try and stop them from getting nuclear weapons, we can get a deal if we agree to let them have nuclear weapons or let them go nuclear at the end of 10 years. So this is the existential threat that everyone in Israel agrees on, both we could and the opposition, and it belongs directly to Hillary Clinton. Most Americans and most Israelis see the Iran deal exactly for what it is. It's a multi-billion dollar Kickstarter campaign for Iranian nukes. And by the way, it's not just to attack Israel, which we know they want to do. They also, the Iranians, have been trying to get missiles that can reach the United States of America. This falls squarely in the lap of Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump has made clear he'll do everything he can to stop it. Okay. Uh, New York City Councilman Greenfield on the Iran deal. You know, my friend, the uh, late, great Ed Koch, used to say, if you agree with me eight out of ten times, vote for me. If you agree with me ten times out of ten, see a psychiatrist. There's really no getting around the fact that Hillary supported the Iran deal which, like many in the pro-Israel community, I strongly oppose. And I agree with a lot of the items that Jeff 
has said, and quite frankly, I wish that Hillary had, had not supported the deal. But the reality is this. What's done is done. The deal is now in place. So now we need to elect a president who will actually enforce the deal and stand up to Iran if they, and quite frankly, when they misbehave. Donald Trump is not that president. I'm not the only one who believes this, by the way. My political mentor, Senator Joe Lieberman, who literally led the bipartisan effort to stop the Iran deal, has endorsed Hillary Clinton as well. And you ask yourself why. The first thing that we need to know about Donald Trump is, just like everything else in his campaign, we have no idea where he actually stands on the deal. Every day he changes his mind. First he says he's going to rip up the deal, then he says maybe he won't, then he says he'll renegotiate the deal, then he says that he may enforce the deal and just see what he can do. What we do know, however, is that Donald Trump is a great admirer of Iran's best friend, Vladimir Putin. And in fact, back in April, around the same time that Putin was selling missiles to Iran to stop Israel's capability of taking out those potential nuclear weapons, Trump was on TV bragging about his friendship with Putin and what a great leader he is. So neither candidate in this election is perfect on Iran, but if you want a president who's going to hold Iran accountable, if you want someone who has a track record, in fact, who literally came up with the sanctions to begin with, who actually has a record of going after bad actors, and who's very clearly said that Putin and Iran are not our friends, that person is Hillary Clinton. Uh, City Councilman Greenfield, question number two. In your opinion, to what degree should voters consider the potential influence the next president will have in areas like the Supreme Court? I mean, Supreme Court appointments are very important choices that presidents make. We need to make sure that the next president will appoint justices who are well qualified, who understand the Constitution, who will respect religious freedom and our right to live according to our values. Donald Trump is not that president. In the first place, it's not even clear that Trump even knows what a Supreme Court justice does. Donald Trump actually uh, said that the job of Supreme Court ju uh, justice is to sign bills, which everybody knows that's not the job of a Supreme Court justice. He ridiculed the judge who was originally appointed by a Republican governor because that judge ruled against him in a landmark case that deals with years of fraud and deception that Donald Trump allegedly stole money through one of his schemes called Trump University, which apparently was never a university, nor was it really imbued with Trump ideals. And you really have a situation where Donald Trump is consistently flip-flopping on issues, and many of the Republicans' most prominent leaders don't believe Donald Trump that he will appoint the right justices. In fact, he's even said that he might appoint his own sister, a liberal activist, to the Supreme Court, because she would make a phenomenal judge. You know, it's likely that Hillary Clinton will continue to appoint Merrick Garland, who's a moderate, respected by Republicans and Democrats alike. But to be perfectly fair, the Republicans have actually made it very clear that whoever Hillary Clinton appoints, they're going to do their very best to actually stop that nomination. So this entire conversation may be moot. Thank you, Councilman. Uh, on the topic of the Supreme Court, Mr. Jeff Balaban. Uh, thanks, Nachum. Well, first of all, just to give you just a drop of relevant background, when I worked on Capitol Hill, when I worked in the Senate, uh, I was responsible for judicial nominations in my senator's office. And so I have a long history and worked closely with the Bush White House over years in selecting judges and vetting judges and, uh, and bringing judges to the White House's attention and helping them get through the process. Um, it, <laughs> it's extraordinary to hear David say that Trump doesn't know what the Supreme Court does. Actually, in the recent debates, it became clear that Trump does very well know what the Supreme Court is supposed to do, which is uphold the Constitution. What Hillary says they're supposed to do, and she said this at the debate, was to come to policy, 
to, was to bring the kind of policies that's empathetic, that meaning the policies that she likes. I will tell you, Supreme Court nominations, and generally federal court nominations, is the single most important issue for the Jewish way of life in this country. We take for granted our religious freedoms. We think that we're always going to have them, but we are now on the brink of losing them. You know, you, you talked at the outset about how David had a law, which I applaud, to bring uh, money for, for security for yeshivas. That law will be gutted by Hillary Clinton's appointees. And it's not just that law. Right now, we're, I'm part of groups of, from lawyers and from uh, uh, policy experts who are having frantic meetings about what to do if Hillary becomes president because what's been, we've seen a tremendously alarming trend in recent years of judges ripping up religious rights. It's not just that Catholic uh, pharmacists have to provide abortion medicines. Uh, shuls being forced to hold gay weddings, rabbis being forced to perform them, bris, shechita, teaching Torah. We're heading the way of Europe if Hillary Clinton becomes president, because her judicial nominees see all of these things as violative of their view of what's proper morality. And so, and, and under the Democrats, religious, religious uh, rights really no longer exist. They're granted us by the judges, not by the Constitution. Uh, David is really an extreme outlier in the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party has become a party of intolerant extremists. I mean, you may or may not be aware that Kaparos this year was struck, were uh, not allowed in uh, Irvine County, California, by a judge for precisely these reasons. People who support chickens' rights came and said, you know, this really isn't so important to their religion. And there are a lot of Jews who don't do this. And a judge said, yeah, that's right. They will not be allowed to do Kaparos. Let me tell you something. It's not just Kaparos. Bris, Shrita, all of these things are right now in trouble if Hillary Clinton becomes president. All right, we move on. We have uh, two people with us uh, live via telephone, uh, both the uh, New York City Councilman David Greenfield, uh, Jeff Balaban. Uh, they are uh, representing the Democratic and Republican sides, uh, um, uh, respectively. In regard to this Tuesday's election, we are hoping this election forum will encourage people to get out and have their voices heard this Tuesday. Um, after all, uh, too many people, as far as I'm concerned, in our community, I would bet both of the of my guests would agree, have declared that they would prefer to sit this one out. Our next question uh, starts with uh, Jeff Balaban. Uh, it is no secret. Uh, that both nominees have either made personal statements, have engaged in personal behavior, or might have engaged in professional behavior, depending on who you're speaking about and the reports that we hear, that could be construed as offensive to our Jewish traditions and values. So we'll start with Jeff Balaban. What is your reaction to that? Well, uh, it's extraordinary. There's, you know, that we have this entire media throughout the election, the media court, every time any allegation of something that Donald Trump may or may not have said uh, that is considered rude or offensive or not politically correct, it becomes, you know, the, the endless news cycle, front of, you know, top of the fold, uh, top of the hour, and, and Donald Trump is treated as though uh, a casual remark or locker room talk, which may, we may find unattractive and wouldn't be what we would say in our community, somehow is uh, a federal case. In the meantime, we're ignoring the reality of Hillary Clinton. And, and, you know, this is true. This is open for anyone who wants to go on the Internet and search it out there. These stories are known to our Washington. They're known by me personally and directly from people who have experienced it. Hillary Clinton, <laughs> can, I mean, the words that come out of her mouth can't even be said on this radio show, not just in general in terms of her vulgarity. Nothing Donald Trump has ever been accused of comes close to the way she talks about Jews. I can't repeat what she says about Jews. You have to go online and see what she says. And I know people who've been victimized by this, people who've worked for her who are Jewish, who've won the brunt of it, who've heard the way she curses out Jews 
every moment of the day. I mean, she cannot go, uh, in, literally in the words of friends of mine who work for her, she can't go an hour without calling somebody a bleeping Jew or a bleeping Jew bleep, whether they're Jewish or not. She uses the word Jew as a curse. She uses racial epithets. She, she makes fun of, of um, retarded children, she calls them. She calls I can't even use the word she uses. Honestly, you've got to go online and look at this because we're somewhat limited because nothing Trump has ever been accused of remotely approaches the despicable way Hillary Clinton talks about people and deals with people. That's just in terms of her own personal behavior. What about the corruption? I mean, there's nothing that Trump has ever been accused of remotely that can touch the corruption of Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation, which right now uh, is, is under investigation and which has enriched the Clinton family to the tune of 250 or $230 million. What does they provide besides access to government? What is she doing besides selling her public office? All right. It's an absolute disgrace. Having her in charge violates every possible concept of decent behavior that the Jewish community holds dear. The question, the question is about uh, personal and professional behavior. City Councilman Greenfield. Wow. You know, first of all, I have to tell you, I thought I heard it all, and I have a lot of respect uh, for Jeff Balaban, who, as you pointed out, Jeff pointed out as a longtime friend, but I think Jeff, Jeff just sort of walked right over the edge over there. That's just honestly the craziest thing that I've ever heard. You can't go on a national radio show, Jeff, and make public allocations that are unfounded against Secretary Clinton. There's not a single person who's made a public allegation that relates to anything that you've just said. I challenge you right now. I'll take a quick moment. Give me false. the name of that's one person that you know. One second, one second, one second. Jeff, Jeff, okay, we, this is, this is, gentlemen, gentlemen, Jeff, this is precisely, this is precisely what we did not want to have here in this forum. I am asking City Councilman Greenfield to please continue. Let him conclude his remarks. Go ahead, City Councilman Greenfield. Jeff, at the conclusion of my remarks, I challenge you to name one person of these supposed people that you spoke to that says that she's made anti-Semitic remarks. It's not true, and it's typical, very typical of the conspiracy theorists to keep citing people that don't exist and haven't said anything publicly. And the reason people haven't said things publicly, and many people have said things publicly about Hillary Clinton, no one's ever accused her of being anti-Semitic, and no one's ever accused her of saying things that are offensive to Jews in her private life. And the reason is because it's never happened. But you know what we know that has actually happened? You know what actually has happened in public is Donald Trump didn't engage in locker room talk, okay? I've, I've been to a locker, and I know what people talk about in the locker. What he did was he bragged on TV that he assaults women. I want you to think about this. This is a guy who brags on TV that he assaults strange women. Now, unlike your anonymous attacks, there are no less than 12 real live women who have come forward, not one, not two, not three, 12 from different walks of life, who don't even know each other, who never even met each other, who have said that he has assaulted them over the course of his lifetime. You want to talk about integrity? I would love to talk about integrity. Because the reality is that there are literally hundreds of lawsuits, hundreds of actual documented lawsuits, not conspiracy theories, of people who have said that Donald Trump has actually ripped them off. I want to give you the perfect example, and I want you to think about this. Donald Trump is a multi-billionaire, and he's ripping off really small people. There's a group called USA Freedom Kids. Check out their clip on YouTube. Six and a half million people watch these three really cute girls from Florida performing for Donald Trump. And when they reached out to Donald Trump, they said, listen, we want to perform for you. And they said, listen, the only thing we really want is to pay our expenses. And Trump said, yeah, come on over here. And these folks, these little girls, these 8 to 12-year-olds, these three girls, they flew from Florida to Chicago, drove five hours to Iowa, went to a campaign, performed for Donald Trump, and guess what? Like hundreds of people before them and after them, he stiffed these girls. 
How do you stiff an eight-year-old girl? That's actual fact. And so the reality is that when you talk about waiters, bartenders, real estate brokers, a glass company, a carpet company, painters, this guy has sifted and ripped off more people than anybody I've ever met in my life. All right. If you're talking about integrity, Jeff Balaban, if you were running for president, if you, Jeff Balaban, running for president, I would not question your integrity individually because I've known you for two decades, but you can't defend Donald Trump because Donald Trump on integrity and public remarks is indefensible. Go ahead, Mr. Balaban. Uh, I've got to say something. And, you know, don't talk to me about my integrity, David. You know, we agreed... To, uh, to try and be polite and civil and courteous. We've known each other for many years. In the course of the last answer, you directly accused me of being a liar and, and being crazy or saying crazy things. Right? For, in, in fact, David, when you say that you've never heard of this or that or no one's ever accused Hillary, she's been sued for this. She, again, these are words you can't say on the radio. She's Give been sued precisely for, anti, for, for anti her anti-Semitism in treatment of the people who work for her. Right? Look it up. She's been sued for it. This is not something which is a one-off. You're an expert on it. Give me one name. Okay, so so I'm sorry. You're you're standing there. Maybe you're ill-informed. Maybe you don't know. I'm not going to call you a liar. I'm not going to call you crazy. You're in a very rough position. You're defending the indefensible. You're defending Hillary Clinton's personal morality, which is (laughs) there's no one in this country who thinks that Hillary Clinton's personal morality can be held up All right. for, uh, for, uh, for approval. City Councilman so, Green... But, but, to call me, excuse me, but to call me a liar, I'd like you to retract that right now. City Councilman Look Greenfield... Online, you're just ill-informed. City Councilman Greenfield, final remarks on this issue. Go ahead. Jeff, I never called you a liar. I like you. I respect you. But you can't make an allegation that is that preposterous without giving an actual name. And you've yet to give me a name. And listen, I've worked <laughs> in Democratic politics my entire life. You've worked in Republican politics your entire life. I've never met anyone who made any allegation like that. You say you have. Give me a name, and we'll Google it. I've met many people. But you can't give me uh, a name. You can't just make allegations. Her name is Paul Frey, F-A-R-Y, I believe. Hang on. Look it up, actually, very quickly. All right. This is the JM and the AM Election Forum. There are many issues of importance to our community, to say the least, and we are exploring some of them this morning with City Councilman Greenfield from New York, with Mr. Jeff Balaban, who has been working on the Republican side in the political arena for many, many years. And um, uh, we move on to the next question, and I believe this next question starts with City Councilman Greenfield. The question is... um, It is no secret that President Obama has not had a warm relationship with the current Prime Minister of Israel. Is your candidate, the one you're supporting, someone who can establish a warm relationship with Israel's leadership? City Councilman Greenfield. Thank you very much for that question. You know, I I absolutely agree with you. In fact, I personally, as a Democrat, have actually called out President Obama on his relationship with Israel, which, as Jeff will tell you, it's not easy to do when you're a member of the same party. The reality, however, is that when it comes to Hillary Clinton, it's actually different. Israelis, the leadership of Israel, trusts Hillary. That doesn't mean they always agree with her, but they trust her. They know they can work with her. In fact, you can watch a video that was posted online just yesterday by the National Jewish Democratic Committee, where just about every single major Israeli leader praises Hillary Clinton and the relationship that they have. The reality is you just have to look at Hillary's record, not listen to uh, different allegations, but just look at her actual record, and what you'll see is it's a very impressive record. For one, she said that one of the first things she's going to do when she becomes president is she's going to invite Bibi to the White House to meet with her in the first month. That's a very different tone that she's trying to set already before she's even elected 
with the prime minister. She's been a staunch supporter of Israel. I have to tell you, I was at the APAC conference, like so many of your listeners, just a few months ago, and if you recall, in fact, I was invited to speak at the conference, and if you recall, that one of the most important issues that they were lobbying on, and they asked their individual members to lobby members of Congress, was to make sure that their members of Congress would veto any would encourage the president to veto any U.N. resolution that is one-sided or that forces Israel to negotiate with preconditions. And, in fact, it took them literally six months to get a letter that was just released a few weeks ago where most senators agreed to that. Hillary Clinton got up and publicly said before anyone that she would absolutely veto any resolution in the United Nations that is one-sided against Israel. And there was thunderous applause because she has a long-time history of defending Israel. In 2014, when many people were slamming Israel in the Hamas war against Israel, she was defending Israel. As a senator, she's always made sure to fund Israel's military edge and a secretary as state. She's spoken out against BDS in a very, very personal way. And the most important thing is, I think this is really the most significant test. Go ahead, David. Wrap it up, please. What do you do when it's politically expedient? She got massive criticism from the left wing of her party. And to Jeff's point, there are people on the left wing of the party who are anti-Israel. She said, I don't care. I'm going to continue to support Israel, and that's why Israelis trust her. All right, David, thank you for that. Um, Jeff Balaban, the question uh, is about the relationship that the person you're supporting can establish. Would it be a warm one with Israeli leadership? Well, I mean, seriously, I'm sorry, but talk about crazy and lies. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, the leadership, uh, the leadership in Israel trusts her. I saw the video that David posted by the National Jewish Democratic Council, a profoundly anti-Orthodox group, and a group that's profoundly anti-Israel as well. They put up left-wing politicians who have nice things to say about Hillary, and there's a quote from Bibi that they put up that doesn't in any way, shape, or form suggest she's friendly to Israel. It says that she's a tough fighter. Yeah, he knows that because he's been on the other side of that. He's been on the side of being yelled and screamed at by her for an hour over the crime of allowing Jews to build homes in Jerusalem. She berated him, according to news reports, like he was a, like he was a school child, and she was scolding and yelling at him. Warmth? You know, whether or not Obama's anti-Israel policies will survive his tenure depends exactly on who will succeed him. If Hillary Clinton is elected to serve as the president, there is no question that Obama's hostility will survive him. It's not a personality clash. It's a clash of worldviews. During her four years as Obama's secretary of state, Clinton was a full partner in Obama's hostile policies towards Israel. All of Clinton's close advisors are profoundly anti-Israel, disgustingly so, in fact. And not just anti-Israel, but we've seen how much anti-Semitism is coming out in the, in the emails that we're seeing now. Remember, Hillary Clinton had every opportunity to have a warm relationship with Israel's prime minister when she was secretary of state. Instead, she abused him about homes in Jerusalem. She surrounded himself with anti-Semites. And as Michael Oren, when you know, the Israeli ambassador wrote in his book, he tried over and over to meet with Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State and he was ambassador, and she flat out refused to meet with him. She had her chance, she made her choices, and she continues to choose to poison the relationship between America and Israel. So now she needs to be elected, so she says nice things. We've seen this already. When she needed Jewish votes to be a senator in New York, she went to her first seder, she went to salute to Israel parades, she said all kinds of nice things. As soon as she went to the State Department, as soon as she got back to Washington, she was right back there putting unbearable pressure on Israel. At the end of the day, though, policy matters, not phony relationships, not APAC speeches, not fundraisers. What matters is policy. Here's the bottom line, the difference between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. According to Hillary Clinton, according to Barack Obama, according to the Democratic Party, Israel is an illegal occupier, and therefore they're the bad guys. 
Jerusalem is not a part of Israel. Please, Clinton versus Zivotofsky, or Zivotofsky versus Clinton, that's the case where Jews tried to say that Jerusalem is part of Israel, and Hillary flat out fought against that. Right, so th- in terms of a warm relationship, Israel, Hillary is Israel's nightmare. Our, Not just in terms of personal relationship, but in terms of the UN as well. Our jam in the AM election forum continues. We have a commitment to try to get to closing statements by 8.40 Eastern Time. We're trying to stick with that. We are on the Democratic side with New York City Councilman David Greenfield. We are on the Republican side with... Jeff Balaban, CEO of B2 Strategic, a national government relations and communications firm, and uh, he, Jeff himself, former U.S. Senate Commerce Committee counsel. And the next question, in fact, goes first to Jeff Balaban. Social issues and how they're handled in this country have always been paramount in the history of the Jewish electorate in the United States. Is your candidate someone who can work toward furthering a positive role of government in these issues? You know, it does not occur to anybody that social issues are Donald Trump's primary concern, and that's a good thing for us, because governments become increasingly intrusive in trying to force us to conform to a certain worldview that's very hostile to our ability to exist as from Jews in this country. And it's not just, as I've already spoken about, the direct challenges to us in terms of our way of life, in terms of things like bris and shechita, in terms of teaching Torah. It's also challenges to the way we want to to the uh, culture in which we want to raise our families. Uh, Hillary Clinton and the Democrats have demonstrated they have no interest whatsoever in any lifestyle that differs from theirs, except maybe tolerance to radical Islam. You know that you'll notice that Hillary Clinton never talks about religious freedoms, except when it's about Muslims. When it comes to the rest of us, for Jews and Christians, they just talk now about the right to worship. That's all they'll give us now. We have a right to daven, we have a right to pray if we want to, and by the way, that's really just for the near term. That's not for the long term. But the notion that the Constitution protects our way of life and that, for example, if a shul wants to say, listen, you know, we, we do certain kinds of marriage on other kinds of marriage, they'll say that's illegal. We're going to shut you down. We're going to take away your, your uh, C3 status. These are not speculative issues. These are happening already around the country. In state legislators, there are moves to, to drop the religious exemption the, the, uh, that, that permits Jews and others to say, you know what, we have religious standards that may differ from yours, that may differ from the liberals, that may differ from the Democrats, okay. but we deserve to be protected because that's what the Constitution gives us. On, They're stripping it away from us, violating our most fundamental on, beliefs. On social issues with City Councilman Greenfield. So I'm going to use my time to respond to the last point and then also to respond to this point because I think it's an important, two important points that have to be made. And that is, you know, Jeff spends a lot of time talking about the Republican Party. He doesn't spend a lot of time talking about Donald Trump. The reason is because Donald Trump's views actually do not reflect many of the views of the Republican Party. And so while Jeff is, in fact, uh, correct that there are many in the Republican Party, of course, who support Israel, the reality is that Donald Trump, on the other hand, has said that if he becomes president, the United States will be neutral when it comes to Israel and the Palestinians. He then, in a Washington press conference, said that he may, in fact, cut off Israel's security funding. It is widely reported that many Palestinians are rooting for Trump to win because they say that being neutral is great. He won't be pro-Israel like Hillary. And I think that part of the challenge when you're dealing with Donald Trump on the social issues is really a similar situation, which is he's never spoken about social issues because the reality is that he doesn't care about social issues. Donald Trump is an individual who publicly calls other people crazy and idiot, dumb and stupid, and says the most uh, offensive and discriminatory and racist and uh, sexist things against so many different people and different kinds. And he doesn't actually 
care about these issues. So I appreciate that Jeff is giving his view, perhaps the Republican view, but the reality is that Donald Trump is not somebody who has ever indicated that he cares about these social issues. And it's simply, simply untrue to say, as Jeff has said, that somehow the Democrats are trying to take away your ability to learn Torah. Come on. Jeff knows that's not the case. And the reality is the Democrats David, David, have David, let, let David finish. Relation. Please stop let David finish. Please let David very, finish. Just stop it, David. Please, 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 please let David finish. Excuse me, David. David. No, no, no. Let's, please let David finish. Don't say we, anything that I, know, that, I, that I don't know to be true. Okay. David, go ahead. Finish up. I think it's important to recognize that Secretary Clinton has literally a lifetime, a record of standing up against discrimination against everyone, whether that's the Jewish community or whether that's other communities as well. And that's important, by the way. You do need to look at how someone deals with other communities. And for someone to get up like Donald Trump to say that every single Muslim in the world is bad, or we're not going to let any Muslims in at all, Come on, you know, you know the old, you, you know the old poem, right? First they came for the Jews, and I didn't say anything because I wasn't a Jew. It, it, the reality is that you have to respect every ethnicity, every community. Hillary Clinton respects everyone. Donald Trump has shown his contempt for different people. All right. Um, final question. I'm going to choose the last question. We didn't get to everything I wanted to cover today, but I'll choose the last question. Of course, we'll have closing statements. Uh, the situation, and, and this might actually be the most appropriate last question for this audience, uh, and we begin with uh, New York City Councilman Greenfield. The situation in the Middle East is tenuous at best. Refugees, new regimes, intervention from other countries, terrorist groups, uh, all of these issues seem to be on every country's agenda. What qualifications does your candidate, who you're supporting, have to lead the USA in trying to normalize the situations in the Middle East, David. I didn't hear the question honestly because Jeff kept speaking in contravention to the agreed upon rules. Can you please re? Uh, I apologize. I didn't realize. I can't. But when I'm doing this, I can't hear what's going on between the two of you. Uh, the situation in the Middle East is tenuous at best. Refugees, new regimes, and intervention from other countries and terrorist groups seem to be on every country's list of agenda. What qualifications does your candidate who you're supporting have to lead the USA in trying to normalize the situations in the Middle East, David? Thank you. You know, we can trust Hillary Clinton to handle a dangerous world. She understands the threats in the world. She has made it very clear that under President Hillary Clinton, her top priority is going to be to defeat ISIS on the battlefield by intensifying the air campaigns against ISIS fighters, by stepping up the support for local Arab and Kurdish forces, and pursuing a diplomatic strategy aimed at resolving Syria's civil war in Iraq's different, Iraq's different conflicts between the Sunnis and Shias. Now, Everything that I just said, if you ask Donald Trump, he has no idea what I'm talking about. Because Donald Trump, in fact, has repeatedly refused to divulge his plan to fight ISIS, and he said that Generals MacArthur and Pat would be rolling in their graves because he doesn't have a plan to defeat ISIS, and he doesn't even understand the difference between Sunnis and Shias and the importance of maintaining relationship with allies. And yes, we have allies in the Middle East that we need to work with. And that really is the most critical piece. Nobody believes, there is nobody who has foreign policy experience who believes that we can defeat 
terrorists and ISIS alone. We have to have relationships, including with our allies and friends in the Muslim world. We actually use bases in Muslim countries to defend the United States' interests and to go after terrorists. And we have agreements such as NATO that Donald Trump has said that he would not respect and potentially he might not even defend someone who's part of the NATO alliance. And so these are critical issues to think about. One candidate actually has a plan has explained that plan okay. and actually has a track record of aggressively fighting terrorism and ISIS. And another candidate says, I've got a secret plan. Trust me. All right, Jeff Balaban on the Middle East. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I mean, and, and <laughs> as David did, I'm going back to his previous statement. Of course he lies when he's describing Donald Trump's policies about Israel. David seizes on the one time that Donald Trump used the word neutral but, but that flies in the face of his consistent policies of being supportive of Israel. He ignores the fact that his party and his candidate holds consistently to this day that Israel is illegally occupying its land, that Jerusalem is not part of Israel. And the most important qualification that, that Donald Trump has uh, in terms of the Middle East and the, and, and, and the situation there is that he isn't Hillary Clinton, and he isn't afraid to put America's safety and survival first. David wants us to trust Hillary Clinton to handle a dangerous world, it's laughable. Thanks to her, the world, and the Middle East specifically, has become infinitely more dangerous. Remember, she was Secretary of State. As Secretary of State, she embraced and supported the so-called Arab Spring that destroyed a decades-long stable peace with Egypt, led to the toppling of regime after regime, and creating the explosion of ISIS onto the, and the caliphate onto the region and now the world. That is the direct result of Hillary Clinton's abysmal misunderstanding of how to handle the Middle East. The refugees, the civil wars, the global reach of ISIS, terror from ISIS in our own country, all fall directly on her miserable performance and her inability to run the, to, to run the office of Secretary of State. Yes, I know many people think she just loves terrorist revolutionaries, probably does, but I don't think that's the major problem. She's just simply inept, and countless people are dying because of it. Christians are being enslaved, raped, mutilated, beheaded, crucified, civil war in Syria, collapse of Iraq as a state, slaughter of Americans in Benghazi, Hillary bears the direct responsibility for all of those policies. All right, we will go to closing statements. Um, you're listening to JM and the AM, Nahum Siegel Network Election Forum, for uh, in reference to this coming Tuesday's presidential election. Uh, I, I am I am begging at this point uh, both of our participants, and uh, uh, there are a lot of people we could have invited to do this. We invited uh, uh, Jeff Balaban and David Greenfield, and we were right. We invited them because we felt they'd be best at this, and we were right. Uh, phenomenal presentations, uh, um, as far as I'm concerned, um, uh, for our community. But the most important thing, and this is where I am begging both of our guests to please join me in doing this during their closing statements at some point. Uh, the most important thing is so many people in our community and so many people across this country, uh, Jew and Gentile, have expressed a lack of enthusiasm to go to the polls this coming Tuesday. And uh, we have two people with us on the line who can explain from their perspectives why it is vital and why everybody in this audience should, who's eligible to vote should, in fact, heed their words and, at the minimum, go and vote this coming Tuesday. For closing statements representing their side, and hopefully with that message as well, we'll start with Jeff Balaban. Thanks. Look, <clears throat> David's in a very tough position. He's trying to defend the indefensible. Hillary Clinton has proven herself to be an enemy to the Jewish state. Hillary Clinton still to this day says, and by the way, so does David's party, that Israel is an illegal occupier. She fights, she goes to the Supreme Court, and she continues to fight to the fact that Jerusalem is not part of the state of Israel. In fact, the Democrats just now, the White House, when they 
went to uh, Perez's funeral, and uh, they, by mistake, somebody put out a press release that was, said it was Jerusalem, Israel. They scrubbed the word Israel, because according to Hillary and the Democrats, Israel does, is, is not a legitimate country. Israel is an illegal occupier, and that's the basis for the BDS anti-Semitism that's, that's cloaking this country. The world has gotten much, much worse for Israel under, in the Obama years. Hillary Clinton has been a direct part of that and one of the biggest parts of that possible. It's not just Israel. Uh, it, it's also what's going on in this country as well. From social issues to our own religious liberties, they're all under attack. Hillary Clinton's judges, I mean, if you took a look at the Democratic Convention, you saw it. More Palestinian flags at the Democratic Convention than American flags. Israeli flags being burned outside. The Democratic Party simply has no room for any Jews other than the ones that go their way and parrot their words. And unfortunately, we heard some of that this morning. Okay, Jeff. Getting out to vote? It's yes. very important that we vote. Right now, in Israel, uh, the, Jews, uh, the American Jews who voted have voted. Uh, the from Jews, 85% voted for Donald Trump, as opposed to Hillary Clinton. We expect to see that here as well in America. Something approaching 85% or more who understand that Hillary Clinton talks a good game. She puts out surrogates who know exactly what to say when she wants to be elected, but we've seen what she does when she's in office. They believe we're occupiers. They believe it's illegal. They believe Iran should have nuclear weapons, and they've fought that every step of the way. We have to vote against them. Get out and vote, literally to save your lives. Okay, and uh, a closing statement uh, for this morning's JM and the AM Nahum Siegel Network Election Forum from New York City Councilman David Greenfield. Malcolm, first, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity to come on your fantastic radio show. You know, the first thing I want to speak about before I respond to some of Jeff's remarks is you're absolutely right, and I think if there's one issue that Jeff Balamon and I are going to agree on today, it's this issue, which is I don't care who you vote for, and I want to repeat that, right? I certainly have a preferred candidate, and I think Hillary is the better candidate, but I don't care who you vote for. The most important thing for me as an American Jew who's involved in public life is that you go out and vote. And if you don't want to vote for either candidate, you want to vote for Mickey Mouse, that's fine by me too. And I'll tell you why. Because literally, as an elected official, I can tell you that the consultants and the pollsters and the elected officials and the policymakers, they figure out down to the block who votes. If you live in Teaneck or Baltimore or Rockland or in the five towns, we know exactly who's voting and who's not. And by the way, I know this is scary, folks, but it's also true. We know individually if people are voting or not, and we track that, and that is what empowers the community. So if you don't listen to anything I say today, and the only thing you listen to me on is going out and voting, fabulous, thank you, we're all good. But if you still have got some space left there, let's talk about the most critical issue, which is a vitally important election, an election that, as Jeff has rightfully said, can determine the future. However, I disagree strongly with Jeff about what that future will look like. The reality is that when Hillary Clinton was tested, most recently at the Democratic National Convention, and Jeff said that there were flags burning outside. It's true, there were. I was there, but that's the point. The flags were burning outside because the anti-Israel groups couldn't get inside the convention. And so the reality is that when there was an attempt by left-wing members of the Democratic Party to try to hijack the party's platform on Israel, it was Hillary Clinton who stood up and said, I support Israel, and that's not going to go into our platform. The reality also is that when Hillary Clinton's own church, this is a very big deal, when her own church supported a BDS anti-BDS resolution that was anti-Israel, I want you to think about this. Imagine your own shul does something that you disagree with. You might be like, I don't know if I'm going to say anything. She literally stood up, wrote a letter, and said, I am going to fight BDS. You are wrong. And she called the most important Jewish leaders and said, what can I do to 
help. That is so, so vital. And the final point, and I think this is really the crux of my point and the crux of my argument why I think Donald Trump cannot be president of the United States, and that is that, you know what, BDS is bad, and BDS is anti-Semitic. But you know what's worse than BDS? Actual anti-Semites. There's a reason why David Duke and the Ku Klux Klan have endorsed Donald Trump. The CEO of Donald Trump's campaign has actually been accused by a real live person, his wife, of anti-Semitic remarks, and he doesn't even deny it. Donald Trump surrounds himself with some of the worst haters, not of Israel, but of Jews here in America, and that should scare the hell out of you. It certainly scares me. I'm proud to support Hillary Clinton. She'll be a great president. She will continue to support Israel. And there's a reason why major leaders from across the spectrum in the Jewish community are saying we support Hillary Clinton because they trust her to keep that relationship with Israel and to keep that relationship with the Jewish community. I thank both of you. Uh, Jeff Balaban representing the Republican side. Uh, very passionate and making a case for Donald Trump. David Greenfield, representing the Democratic side, very passionate and making a case for Hillary Clinton. I pray that this session has increased the passion of the potential voters in this audience, because again, as everybody in this forum agrees, the most important thing is that we make sure that everybody in our community gets out there on Tuesday and votes. Let's not fall victim to the apathy that seems to be uh, pervasive in the United States of America in advance of Tuesday's election. Jeff, David, I thank you both very, very much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm actually going to add one note. Don't no, 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 that's it. Do that's it, that's, that's, research. That's it. Research. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you both. <laughs> we, we've had a great session together, and everyone had an opportunity to express their point of view and I thank both of you very, very much. Ten minutes before nine o'clock. More coming up on a Thursday morning edition of JM in the AM.
Gabriel Tumbach with that beautiful song. want to thank our participants. Uh, like I said, very passionate and uh, comprehensive presentations regarding the two candidates is coming Tuesday. Tomorrow, weekly update. Malcolm Holmline joins us starting at 7.40 tomorrow morning. Keep that in mind. Full day on our schedule. Today is the day to make sure to be tuned in to um, uh, the Nahum Siegel Network, the NSN app, etc., etc., uh, we've got an amazing lineup coming up next, just five minutes from now. It's uh, Charlie Harari on the topic of negativity on the show entitled Unlocking Greatness. Spin class with Michael Fragan about what else? Election 2016. It is the Thursday before the election. Michael Fragan at 930. Maybe he'll even reference this forum. Who knows? Jew in the City speaks at 10 a.m. with Allison Josephs with the creators of Jewish Comic-Con. 10.30, speaking of the election, Miriam Wallach will have handwriting expert Dr. Ari Kornblit discussing his analysis of Hillary and Donald Trump's handwriting. How do you like that? And we'll do the live lunch starting at 11 a.m. Make sure to be tuned in all day, just like Mark Zomick is going to be. Mark Zomick is with us live via telephone. Big event coming up on Sunday, uh, both dear to his heart and to mine. Mark, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. I feel like Leon Goldenberg. <laughs> you you also want to chair the Venice edition of the Jewish Unity Initiative? Uh, uh, just a lot of things going on. I don't know. There are a lot of things going on. You, you could come on the air and talk about anything at this point. Exactly. That's what, that was your conversation with him yesterday, all the things going on. So Unbelievable. It's not terrible company to be in, so I'll take that. Anyway. That's for sure. All right. Uh, TABC. There are a lot of amazing schools in what I like to refer to as the Yeshiva League, and you know I'm very fond of many of them. The special place in our heart for TABC. You have now the privilege of uh, serving as co-president of TABC at this point. I do, in fact, have that privilege along with the great Chaim Book, my uh, partner in radio back in the day at Yeshiva University. Now, now, funny enough, you don't have a child in TABC at this point. Does Chaim? Um, Chaim does, yes. There you go. All right. Because the norm would be president normally would have a child in the school, right? That would be the norm. But you one, br- of, one, of, one of the attractions of, of the asking me was I didn't have <laughs> right. a child in the school. So. <laughs> You've broken the tradition. All right. right. But, uh, tell well, us. One second. More, more important, more important than, uh, than the, than the um, open house on Sunday is the, the first hockey game in the building tonight. Oh, okay. Um, 
Storm versus Ramaz. Good luck, everybody at TABC and Ramaz. We're rooting for you. I have to be careful. Oh, I have to be giving out swag to all the kids. It's very, very exciting. Oh, oh. Very Ooh, save me whatever they're giving away. That's really cool. Okay. All right, no quickly, problem. quickly. Sunday, the schedules. So parents and eighth graders know what's going on. What's with Sunday's schedule? Um, they should pre-register online. That'll get them in the building quickly. And um, uh, where the program, the, you know, everybody should get there by nine thirty to make sure they're parked in the building. Program starts at ten. There's a formal program upstairs as usual in the big shul, and um, a number of speakers. Certainly our new head of school, Rabbi Ashley Yablak, will be speaking. You can go back and listen to the archives to hear him uh, on Jamie Aim a few weeks ago. Um, there'll be a video. They'll be, you know, really giving parents the, the opportunity to see, meet the teachers and um, to see the school in action. And, um, and you know, I, th- there are a lot of things that people say about an open house, and uh, we do believe that we put our best foot forward, no question, and we, we want people to feel that they're getting um, a sense of what the school is, is really meant to do and meant to, you know, what role that it's meant to play in the lives of their son is a very, very important role. They'll meet students, they'll meet alumni, they'll meet faculty, really they'll meet alumni parents and faculty parents, et cetera. So we do want to give everybody the opportunity to, um, you know, to, to get a feel of what TABC um, is and is becoming and, um, it really, we're, we're so, so proud of everything that we do at TABC. You know, our slogan this year that is going along with everything is this is TABC, right? You know, it's the storm game and it's the night Seder and it's, you know, the, and the, the, seed, and the, two, and the, the basketball team and the two, everything all together. And the two yeah. seem, and the two seem to always be scheduled at the same time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, that's okay too. All right. And, so um, again, to yeah. pre-register TABC website, where, what address do people go to? TABC.org. And that's it. And all the information's there. All the information is there. All right. Send our best to everybody. You know what kind of place it has in our heart at the Siegel family. So uh, thank you for joining us, and good luck on My Sunday. My pleasure. Good luck to everybody uh, on Sunday from all of us here at JM in the AM. Achena Israel and Achim brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM Dial Broadcasting Live in the Sony and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. A lot of great programming coming up, as we said. 9 o'clock right now, Charlie Harari. 9.30, Michael Fragan with Spin Class. Maybe he'll uh, reference our very own election forum that just took place uh, here at JM in the AM. 10 o'clock for Jew in the City Speaks. She speaks with the uh, founders of Jewish Comic Con. And 10.30 this morning, Mary Mel Wallach with Dr. Ari Kornblit as he analyzes at least three signatures, I'm told. Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, and Miriam L. Wallach. Um, tomorrow we're back, and the... Uh, and the uh, Weekly update starts at 7.40 tomorrow morning with Malcolm Honeline. Make sure to be tuned in for all of that. Have a fabulous Thursday. Till tomorrow, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.